Hi, welcome to episode 73 of Talk About the Passion, Just Making Noise, which is named after a song by the Boston band Sorry. My guest Kenny Chambers and I talk about the band Sorry briefly, and that seemed to be a sufficient name for this episode. Kenny Chambers has been making noise around the Boston area since the late 70s, and of course, most notably with Moving Targets, who have been a band since the 80s, with the one constant being Ken. We talk about the formation of that band here, and some of the different lineups, including his excellent new lineup. Moving Targets are alive and kicking, well, as alive and kicking as much as a band can be during a pandemic, but they've, you know, put out a couple of records with this new lineup. Uh, the record from 2020, Humbucker, is amazing, and uh, I know it made a lot of uh, friends' top ten lists last year. Uh, we also talk a little bit about his time in the band Bolt La Volta. Uh, before we start, I, I wanted to say the, the music of Moving Targets has been a, a part of my life since I first heard Burning in Water back in the 80s. Um, one day I was with my girlfriend at the time at Rocket Records in Saugus, Massachusetts, where I would eventually work, uh, and where my brother worked. And this was around 1988, and my brother was on the phone and waved me over and said uh, a friend had car issues and needed a ride, and it was Kenny Chambers. My girlfriend at the time and I listened to three records constantly, uh, Naked Raygun, Jettison, uh, that first All record, All, All Roy Says, I guess, um, and Moving Targets, Burning in Water. So to give Ken a ride was, was kind of a big deal. But of course it wasn't. Like, like most underground bands of that era, you know, they were normal people. Just They just happened to be extremely talented. Uh, I became friendly with, with Ken and, and Chuck Freeman. I would go see the band all the time back then and uh, even got a copy of uh, the recording sessions that would eventually become the two records, Brave Noise and Fall. The, and the, the amount of like classic Target songs between those two records and Burning Water is, is pretty amazing. Ken is a humble and down-to-earth guy, and it was cool to talk to him about uh, some of the history of the band. Uh, and right now there's a wealth of his music online between all of the Moving Targets music and uh, his personal band camp name, uh, page that's under his name, uh, has numerous demos, rare, live stuff. Uh, and a lot of that we, we talk about here, including uh, a song from 1977 that would end up uh, as one of Bola Volta's biggest songs. So I, I would definitely check that out. Uh, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Talk About the Passion Podcast. And I keep those pretty up to date. If you would like what you hear on this podcast, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, tell a friend. Okay, here we go with episode 73, Just Making Noise. Thanks for listening. Ken Chambers on the phone. Uh, how are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, doing well, thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, you're living in Texas now? Uh, yeah, Denton, Texas. Yeah. Um, but you grew up uh, up here in Ipswich, Massachusetts, is that correct? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I spent my summers in Ipswich uh, growing up. I actually lived in Miami. Oh, okay. uh, then I moved up to Ipswich uh, to to live and go to school when I was uh, 15 years old. And uh, were you getting into music when you were in? Uh... Uh, oh, oh yeah, I was. I was always into music uh, when I was very young. You know, and I was into the Beatles. Yeah. When I was about eight years old. Where? Uh, where would Where would you hear stuff like that? Uh, I'd hear it on the radio. Yeah. There, there always seemed to be a radio going in the house. Right. My, my mom was kind of a music fan. Yeah. So we had a big console that had a FM. Nice. And when, when did you start going to see live music? Uh, probably when I was, you know, like the first concerts I saw. You know, I was about 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Uh, I was in Miami, and uh, they had a place called the Hollywood Sportatorium in Hollywood, Florida. Okay. Not too far from Miami. Yeah. And uh, they used to have shows come through there. You know, the first things I saw were like Nazareth, 
Grateful yeah. Dead. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it was the only thing around at the time. Right. Uh, saw Kiss. Yeah. Journey. Nice. Aerosmith. Yeah. And uh, when did you get start getting interested in playing music? Uh, probably when I was 11 or 12 years old. I wanted to get a guitar. Yeah. And uh, a friend of my mom's actually had a, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was a silver tone guitar. Yeah. Uh, kind of like one of the nice ones, though. Right. Like the Jimmy Page plays. Oh, nice. And... Uh, he gave me that, and uh, I wanted to make it look like a Les Paul, so I, I cut one of the uh, wings off <laughs> Nice. and just destroyed the guitar. <laughs> the guy was a little, I'm sure he was disappointed in me. Right, right. <laughs> and did you, uh, you so your, your first band, or one of your first bands was 1979 up here in... Uh, when you were so you were were you up here permanently at this point in Ipswich? Yeah, at that point I I was in uh high school. Yeah. And uh yeah, I played in a band called Iron Cross. Yeah. Uh with a couple of brothers, Mark and John Norris. Yeah. And uh yeah, we started up we were like doing covers. I was uh you know, a little bit into punk rock, so uh Yeah. We tried some of that stuff, like uh, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, uh, Clash, yeah. stuff like that. But we mostly did, did like rock and roll um, stuff. Yeah, Led Zeppelin, whatever. Yeah, you have a uh, uh, your your Bandcamp page has a, a lot of this old this tons of music on there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple Iron Cross songs on there. Yeah, from an old rehearsal tape. Yeah, one of them says it was. Uh, Get it together, which was it did it yeah. reminded me of Dead Wrong from from Bull La Volta. Like, uh, yeah, it became Dead Wrong. That's crazy. Nineteen <laughs> so nineteen seventy nine. That song goes back to that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Years later, I uh, my first recording session with Bull La Volta. They just asked if I had anything, yeah. and, and I threw that riff towards him. Nice. Yucky wrote some vocals, and we recorded it that same day. Nice. Um, but as as far as the as Iron Cross, um, the brothers, um, you were supposed to have a show. Is that what happened? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we. Uh, what happened is uh, the the tragedy you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. We we're gonna play like at the junior high school or something. Yeah. Uh, like that night, Friday night. Right. And uh, we just rehearsed the night before. So I saw those guys. I was with them. And uh, next morning on uh, on the radio, my grandfather said, uh, yeah, there was a, f- a fire. I think it was at the Norris house. Hmm. So we went down there, and there had been a terrible fire. Uh, so they lost, uh, you know, both John and, and Mark. Wow. And their and their father as well. Wow, were lost in the fire. Jeez, and, and these these. So are, that was. Uh, that must have been. That was. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was heavy, heavy experience for sure. Yeah, and and how old were you? Were you, they were all the same age as you? Uh, at that point, I was fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. It's okay. Um, and then, uh, so you continue playing music. After this, did it take a little while to sort of get back into? Yeah, to want yeah, to do that I, I took some time away from it. Uh, you know, basically, what happened is uh, the last m- month or so uh, of Iron Cross being together before the fire, mm-hmm. uh, we'd introduced Pat Leonard into the band. Um, Pat uh, had done lights for us at a couple of we played like high school kind of things yeah. at churches and stuff like that. And Pat uh, built this light show on his own to like be our light light man. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to learn how to play guitar, so I said I'd teach him. Yeah. And uh, he got a guitar, and so uh, just 
wasn't really playing with the band, but kind of like came to all the rehearsals and, you know, was learning songs here and there, learning how to do real simple stuff. Yeah. And uh, long story short, after the fire, you know, I didn't really pick up guitar much. And uh, Pat said, hey, you know, don't stop playing. You know, let's keep keep teaching me how to play guitar. Yeah. Which turned into playing bass. Um, and then we started uh, what was basically the second version of Iron Cross with a, a drummer named uh, Peter Gordon. Mm-hmm. And I uh, continued to play music. You know, we did we did some of the songs that the original band had, and uh, you know, added some covers and originals of our own. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it was Pat Leonard, myself. You know, that was the beginning of Pat Leonard's and my journey. You know, playing music music together. Yeah. You know, Pat and I were starting to want to do more just punk stuff. Yeah. And uh, and write punk originals. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at that point, like we were still really into the clash, but, uh, stuff like the bad brains was coming out Yeah. and, uh, you know, black flag, I was playing stuff for Pat Leonard and he was getting into it. Yeah. And, uh, our drummer at the time, you know, God bless him, wasn't really into, uh, punk rock. And, uh, so we split up and, uh, Pat, Pat and I put an ad in the local paper just like a shit town paper, right. uh, looking for a drummer and, and Pat's mom saw it mm-hmm. and she uh, said, Oh, you know, Pat, Hey, look, Pat's looking for a drummer. I mean, here's, here's like Pat Brady, like one of the <laughs> greatest drummers ever. He's not in a band. Yeah. Just, just wait, waiting just for waiting. somebody. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he called us and, uh, we went down that night, you know, dragged, dragged our equipment down and, uh, played, and it was magical from the first night. Yeah, I was going to say, seeing him play for the first time, I imagine, was, was, was pretty, pretty magical because he, he really was one of, the, one of the best drummers I've ever witnessed play music, definitely. So. Yeah, I mean, we, he made us sound like so much better than we'd ever sounded before. Yeah. Uh, which was great, and it was yeah breath, breathtaking watching him do his his, his thing. And uh, yeah, we were lucky enough. Uh, you know, he had a rehearsal room. It was like the family room uh, at his house, and his mom and dad let him use it. And yeah, we just moved our shit in there, and it didn't leave until our first uh, gig. How uh, how 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 long did you guys practice before you finally played out? And were you doing mostly originals? Uh, at that point, uh, no. We had probably no originals. Oh, okay. We did our first gig after being together for, for uh, two weeks. Okay. We just, uh, we, we jumped right into, uh, we loved playing so much that we practiced every night pretty much. And uh, learned a bunch of covers uh, like TSOL. Oh, nice. Uh, Gigi Allen, Mission of Burma, Black Flag, uh, a little bit of regular rock, you know, maybe like a Jimi Hendrix tune or something. Right. Uh, communication breakdown. Yeah. Um, but all covers. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still teenagers, so there was parties going on every weekend. It was summertime when we, when we got together. Right. We got together, uh, like the, 18th of, of June or something. So anyways, flash forward to July, we, uh, loaded up our gear and played our first party and it was, uh, it was crazy. Yeah. Like nobody had really heard punk rock, a couple people. Right. But, uh, you know, it had a lot of energy to it. So, uh, they, they, for whatever reason got into it. Yeah. So it was cool. And this this is up in Ipswich. We, we got a following immediately in the party circuit. Nice. This is up in that area, like Ipswich, Gloucester. Essex. Yeah, yeah. We we played uh, this horse farm in Ipswich. Yeah. This uh, kid, Dave Lemoyne's house. I remember his name even. Yeah. So as, as you guys are going along, when do you finally start to introduce uh, originals into the the sets? 
well, I mean, we, we played parties. We kind of honed our chops, honed our chops, um, by doing the party cover thing. Yeah. We, we did that. And, uh, what, what happened with the originals is, um, I'd, I'd written some stuff, you know, I was always writing songs, right. but, uh, didn't think it was really moving targets type material. And then, uh, there was a music teacher at Pat Brady's high school mm-hmm. that, uh, had a recording studio at his house and, uh, Pat got us like a free day there. Nice. So, uh, I started trying to write some moving target songs and, uh, yeah, the first three songs that we did was uh, like a reggae instrumental because yeah. we were really into the Bad Brains yeah. or cassette. Uh, Changing the Mind, which ended up on the first band's Could Be God record, yeah. Yeah. and Lesson Gravity. Oh, wow. So that was one of the first songs I wrote for the Targets. Yeah. And that, that tape, uh, is that, that's up on uh, Bandcamp, isn't it? That stuff? Uh, no, that, that, that tape is somewhere, um, like the Bandcamp stuff is, uh, cassettes that I transferred to, uh, to digital, to CD, yeah. uh, a few years ago. Okay. And, uh, so I decided to do that, but I've got more cassettes. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've got that actual cassette of those three songs. Yeah. Um, but just, uh, they're not di- digitized yet. Yeah. And, and... So, once you start recording, you get the itch to kind of want to do that more, and, and you know, after, you know, now you're hearing like something that you created, a recording of it. Did that give you the you know a kick to just kind of want to start taking the band more serious, even more serious now? Yeah, yeah, we were we were pretty gung ho about it. Um, you know, the, I mean, the recording didn't turn out that great. Uh, cause we didn't know what we were doing. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, the music teacher, uh, didn't know what to do with us. I don't think he was expecting, uh, moving targets. Right. Yeah. That kind of, music. um, you know, we're like too loud and everything, right. uh, for the studio. But, uh, yeah, after that, I mean, I started, you know, writing more tunes and, uh, we just, uh, wanted to do our first show. So, um, you know, like a Boston show. Right not playing at a party. Um, so uh, one one evening we went to uh, the living room in Rhode Island, Pat Brady and Pat Lundin and myself, mm-hmm. to go see the Bad Brains. And uh, we brought, uh, we, we started making rehearsal cassettes. Yeah. You know, just, you know, of the new songs. And, uh, you know, we drove up in my Dodge Dart and, uh, you know, went, went to go see the Bad Brains and, uh, said shit man let's grab that cassette that i've got in my dodge diet of a rehearsal yeah you know and give it to the bad brains yeah and it turns out we did that like i rolled up this huge joint and we uh got backstage and like i got them stoned and uh, we gave their manager who was with them uh the cassette that's awesome so uh he gave us his uh business card and so we were like stoked and uh you know, he said, if you don't hear from me in a couple of weeks, you know, give me a call. So I called him up and he like lost the tape. Right. And, uh, so we like later, later that evening, we went over to Pat Brady's house and, uh, his mom <laughs> held up the telephone yep. and, uh, we played over the phone and he was like, <laughs> okay, you guys got the gig. Oh. And it was, uh, Christmas Eve at CBGB's with the bad bones. Wow. That's your first. So that was our first gig. <laughs> That's crazy. High watermark. Yeah. So how, how nervous were you guys for that? Doing that. I, it's hard to remember. I don't, I don't think we were super nervous. Yeah. I mean, at that point we were pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we drank a little too much before the gig. Right. Uh, the gig was good. Right. They. Uh, I've got a cassette of that somewhere. Yeah. Because uh, they used to uh, record uh, the bands for like 10 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. On cassette yeah. from the soundboard. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, we were like, we were just super excited. Like, uh, Scream was there. We'd never heard of them, and they were like super awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Bad Brains were, were nice to us. You know, they were 
they're like they'd remembered us from the living room and uh yeah it's funny and then uh you start playing out more in boston now and getting better shows uh yeah after that um what happened is uh i got in a band called dreadful in the din yeah is that with uh which is another it's another side story but uh guys from volcano song i'll just i'll just yeah yeah uh, actually, uh, in the beginning, it was Mission of Burma. Oh, okay. oh the ori- yeah, the original, original. Because uh, Mission of Burma had just broken up. Okay. Um, what happened is, uh, I it's kind of tied into our first gig. Yeah. Um, like the week weekend, the week after uh, playing that CBGB show, I went into Rocket Records, and uh, Dan Archon, who was Dread Fool, the singer of Dread Fool and Din, mm-hmm. was behind the counter, and uh, I went went up flipping through the new release record section right? and uh, the scream record was there. And like I said out loud, Hey, here's that band we played with last week. And Dan and I started talking. He was like, Oh, you played with scream. And, uh, he said, uh, you know, we're looking for a guitar player and dreadful in the den, you know, just asking me, I mean, I'm like a 19 year old kid at this point. Right. And, uh, so long story short, I got into dreadful in the den and Moving Target's first show in Boston was with Dreadful and Zen. Oh, interesting. At the channel. Yeah. Huh. You know, we kind of rode on that. Yeah. And then we uh, started playing other shows. Uh, we did, like, another all-ages show in Boston with Scream. Yeah. Uh, played uh, the club in Cambridge a couple of times. Yeah. Played with, like, uh, sorry and busted statues. We did a show with Toxic Reasons. Oh wow, which is cool. Yeah, so- sorry was a great. That's an underrated Boston band. They're they're one of my favorite. Uh, oh, so underrated. From, from back uh, back in the day, it's pretty sad about John Easley, you know. But what a, what an amazing band. Yeah, terrible loss. Yeah. Uh, John John was such a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I regret the last night I saw him because I kind of pissed him off. Oh, uh, he was working the door at this bar in New York, and I uh, was with some friends, and I had my guitar with me, and I kept like playing guitar in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> he, he kept telling me like I couldn't, <laughs> and uh, he ended up asking me to leave. <laughs> um, and so, but uh, he was just doing his job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We just saw the. Uh, I don't know if you have you seen the Chef Lost Call documentary. I haven't. That's that's on my list to watch. I, that, that, that's the, that was what's actually was going to ask you. There was it seemed like there was sort of a scene of music there that was kind of separate from like the like the straight edge hardcore and that kind of stuff, where it was more not arty, but bands like Sorry, yeah. know, Moving Targets, and that kind of thing. So you guys were were sort of levitating towards that world at that point. Yeah. Yeah. This, you know, Sorry played their bunch. Targets played their bunch. We played together at yeah. Chet's. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in the beginning, that's probably where we most played. Chet was really, uh, you know, good to us. Letting us play there once a month, yeah. once every six weeks. You know. And that uh, bands that could be God record does that come out around this this time? Uh, yeah. So so we're. Uh, you know, we're in like the summer of '83 now. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we came to Gerard's attention. We uh, did a conflict uh, show. Actually, the conflict show is with Scream. Nice. And uh, so he invited us uh, to to be on the compilation. Yeah. So we were thrilled. We, uh, you know, at that point, um, we had met Lou Giordano, which is. You know, he'd done sound for Sorry probably a couple of times. Yeah. You know, something like that. Just we cross mm-hmm. cross paths, and uh, he he told us about Radio Beat. So uh, we saved up a little dough and went into Radio Beat, and uh, ended up recording eight songs. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and three ended up getting mixed, and uh, and on on the compilation. Yeah. And that, that's a that's a cool, cool cool record. Yeah, it's got a lot of uh, a lot of good yeah. songs in there. Definitely. We were uh, unfortunately broken up by the time time it came out. Oh, you were. Yeah the uh, 
the reoccurring targets break up. Yeah. <laughs> Is we're, that when we're, you... we're coming to the first, the first, <laughs> first of many. And that's is that when you had started Smash Pattern? Is that when? when uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the targets we broke up uh, in in the fall of '84. Uh, yeah, and then uh, you know I I uh, did basically the same thing. I put a, a little ad in the local paper. Yeah, and that's how I met Chuck Freeman. So uh, yeah, we we. Met in the parking lot of his work, and uh, I played him some Targets rehearsal tapes. Yeah, and uh, he didn't—he didn't seem too impressed, oddly <laughs> enough. Yeah, but uh, I later found out that's just how he is. He's hard to read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at first, at least. And then, uh, yeah, we started Smash Path Pattern with uh, Scott Monroe on bass, and that was basically a band just getting together, you know, a couple nights a week. Uh, playing in Scott's basement. Yeah, uh, we only did uh, maybe two or three gigs at the most. Mm-hmm. To record anything, but uh, spent a lot of spent a lot of time in the basement, though. Yeah, uh, and that's where more of the movie targets uh, material that wound up on the first record was developed. Okay. Yeah, it's you know like underground faith. Yeah, uh, a couple other tunes. Right. You know, started with Smash Pattern yeah. in the early '80s. Yeah, you've I've noticed throughout the years you've a lot of times you'll go back to songs that were that you had written way way earlier. So it was, it was cool to hear that you you did that with that Get It Together song to, with uh, almost sort of a rewrite of that. But it's it's cool that you've uh, you'll hear like almost like a different version of a song way later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's songs they should be heard. You know, if if it didn't if it didn't make it to uh, like a proper release, yeah. like the last two Targets records, mm-hmm. you know, were a mixture of uh, newer stuff and uh, and older songs. Yeah, that Thin Line song is real old, isn't it? Is that from? Uh, yeah, I feel like I had that. Yeah, on that's a uh, like radio tape or, or something. I had that from. Yep, that's yeah. from ninety ninety four. Okay. I think. Yeah. And that that was actually that's that's like the only actual song I re recorded that was on a record. Yeah. Uh that was uh on the solo record double negative. Yeah. Okay. Uh but it was always the targets always played it. Yeah. And it was always intended for the targets. So yeah. that's why it ended up on uh, the new record. Yeah. Um so when when do you guys um get moving targets back together? Uh, yeah what happens is uh, Smash Pattern goes on for about a year yeah and then uh, you know like the record the the, uh, compilation comes out while Smash Pattern's together Mm -hmm. um, and it gets a little little uh, you know like review here and there yeah Um, and uh, we you know start missing playing with Pat Brady I, I do at least yeah so, uh, kind of secretly got together with Pat Brady and Pat Leonard. Yeah. And, uh, then called it quits with, uh, Smash Pattern. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, you know, it took a few of the songs that Smash Pattern had. You know, now we've got like a, a newer kind of set. Yeah. And we want to do a record. So we started saving a little money together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, actually, I can't forget, uh, super important. Yeah. Uh, a friend of ours, Kim Brooks, yeah. who is a good friend of the band's, she uh, like loaned us a couple thousand bucks. Oh wow! To record that first, which was concert. super nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we ended up doing the whole thing for like three thousand dollars. Oh wow! Um. So yeah, you know, Lou, Lou was up for doing it. Uh, we gave some rehearsal tapes, and uh, you know, he had a few comments here and there, but otherwise. You know, we just went into the studio with him and kind of did our thing. Yeah. How long, how long were you in the studio? Uh, uh, it was like drips and drabs, so I don't know the, the total, but... Yeah. <clears throat> you know, we we took like three days uh, together mm-hmm. to do all the basic tracks and for uh, overdubs and everything like that. Yeah. And then uh, I think Lou took like three days to mix it. Yeah. 
and then uh and then the mastering i mean at that time i didn't even know what mastering was so right. uh, lou had the mastering done and we just got billed for that right. so yeah i mean lou, lou was great in the studio uh i mean he uh calmed us down a little bit yeah yeah it's it's hard to tell from the record because the record is so energized but Right. We were actually like even more frantic. Yeah. Before the studio. <laughs> yeah. And you get hooked up with Tang Records uh to release that. Yeah, yeah, met met Curtis uh and uh you know Lou Giordano uh gave Curtis a cassette. Yeah. of the uh mixed record and Curtis loved it. Yeah. So uh came out pretty quick quickly after that like 3 months later yeah um unfortunately uh at that time uh pat leonard uh was out of the band right like like shortly after the record was was mixed yeah um it was just some stuff going on like internal stuff and uh you know i i asked him you know to leave the band right which uh, re- re- regrettable move, but uh, you know, at that point, uh, I was still friends with Chuck. Chuck jumped in, right? And you know, Chuck did a great job. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it was kind of kind of hectic, you know, having a record just come out, and you know, Chuck jumping into the band, learning all the material that we've got. Right. And then we had our first tour. Around uh, the, a couple months after the. Around the U.S., right? Yeah, yeah, just uh, not not out 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 to the Midwest. Yeah, not as far as uh, the West Coast or anything like that. Yeah, how was that? Um, uh, that was I loved it. Yeah, uh, it was it was tough. You know, we, we played a lot of places where there was you know maybe like ten people, right. twenty people. Yeah, stuff like that. But uh, I loved it, man. I I loved being on the road. Still do. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think Chuck, Chuck didn't enjoy it too much. Right. And, uh, Pat, you know, we, we had like problems with his van and this and that. It was crazy. Like we, we left, we had, uh, we had a gig in in Cleveland, I think was our first show. So we like drove the night before and got a hotel nearby Mm -hmm. and there was this huge snowstorm and, uh, and and Pat's van like broke down, yeah. and he needed like a new trainee basically. Right. So we uh, got a rental car. Like couldn't have any drums, only one amp. Oh. Like packed in a rental car for a week, all the way down to Florida. Oh, man. <laughs> in Spain. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that must have uh... had had this had this show in Florida. Like like it was. Curtis thought it was going to be this really great thing, like Gang Green had played it. There was like 500 people or something. Yeah. We played in this theater. There was like seven people there or something. <laughs> oh, God. It was crazy. Did you get to play? The guy any... paid us some cocaine. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> did you get to play any big shows or open for anyone good on the, on the tour? Um, we we did some good shows, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a show that's on YouTube. uh we played with uh, Des- uh, Descendants oh, yeah. at Mississippi Nights in St. Louis. Oh yeah, yep, yep. I've seen. And uh, that was a great show. Yeah. Um, you know, there was like a thousand people there, some yeah. shit like that. Nice. And that record is starting to get a lot of uh, good press at that time as well. So. Yeah, I mean the, the press that was around. There was a lot of fanzines yeah. around at the time. Uh, yeah. It it got uh, some great reviews. Yeah. Uh. You know, if, if the band had, you know, stuck it out, stayed together, uh, you know, we could have really uh, reaped some rewards from that. But, yeah. you know, unfortunately, we didn't. After we came back yeah. from the American tour, we uh, broke up again. Yeah. Is this when you got into Bullet of Alta around that time? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I took, took a couple months off from music and then... Uh, you know, now we're into 87, yeah. uh, mid 87, late 87. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and Corey was leaving the band. I'd seen those guys once and really liked them. Yeah. 
And so uh, when I heard Corey's leaving, you know, I wanted to try out. So I uh, did my audition and, and got the gig with them. And uh, that was just the right time, you know, right moment, right time for me. Yeah. Uh, being, being in a band that was, you know, up and coming, playing good shows. Uh, my first time going to Europe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Was that... You know, growing my hair long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and that must have been cool to be... Um, you weren't singing, so you were, you were just kind of playing... You were just playing guitar in that band. Yeah. Uh, but you, you wrote... Yeah, I, I, I love playing guitar. Yeah. Wrote, wrote a couple things here and there, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but mostly, uh, you know, it was... More Clay's band. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was an easy band to be in. You know, such uh, great guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, getting, getting like, signed to RCA, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, stuff that, uh, you know, I wanted to experience. So I got to experience it with Bolt Revolta. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always thought that that might have been, like, not a vacation for you, but, like, a, a sort of a good place to sort of relax after the targets to sort of, you know, you, you, all the pressure's not on you to be the main guy of this band, you know? So it was... Yeah. That was, yeah. Crazy. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in, in Bolt of Ultra. Yeah. And you played a few... They played you know, I, uh, a few years ago at uh, <laughs> Middle East. I saw you play some songs with them when they did the that little reunion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, that's... That was the uh, the cringe production. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. I mean, you know, Kurt's such a great front man. Yeah, I know. I miss you know. Any any time uh, I get to see him do it is is a pleasure. Yeah. So then the the targets eventually get back together with with you, Chuck, and Pat Brady. Yeah. And you have a you know I I I go to. Uh, I, I go to Europe with Bolt Volta and I uh, get asked a lot about moving targets. Yeah. So that kind of puts a uh, bug in my ear, you know. Maybe uh, we could get together and, and come back and go to Europe. Right. And that's uh, basically what I did uh, the next summer. Um, Bolt Volta went over in 89, mm-hmm. and the targets went over uh, like in the spring, summer of 90. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, we just got back together basically just to go to Europe. Yeah. Um, and we had, you know, a wonderful time doing it, you know, playing great shows. Right. Uh, getting treated, you know, so well, you know, food bowls in the dressing room and (laughs) hotels with, uh, bed and breakfast and stuff. A lot different than, so yeah, we, we did that. Um, you know, came back, uh, but you know, once again, broke up. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pat, Pat Brady had, you know, other things going on at, at the time. Uh, I don't think he had kids yet, but you know, he had his business. Yeah. You know, he was a carpet installer and, and, uh, selling carpet and, you know, he had the family business. Right. So there was no money in rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Or not, or not enough. Right, right. Yeah, so we broke up, and uh, then I uh, jumped into playing with Jones Ferry. Oh yeah, yeah. Who, uh, like, they we happened to show the bill together, like the last Target show before we broke up. Yeah. After we came home from Europe. Yeah. Uh, Jones Ferry opened up, so uh, I met Vic Bondi then. Nice. And uh, I jumped jumped into the, that band. Yeah. And that was that was pretty quick. That was like nine months or something. Right. In in with the the tar- like the the uh, the records that came out after Burning in Water, uh, Brave Noise and Fall. Brave Noise. Uh, you you did you record all those songs together? The the two albums that that and Fall. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we weren't we weren't together. Yeah. Uh, so when was that recorded? That was recorded in. Uh, that eighty. You know, I was in Bola Volta. Yeah. Yeah. So the targets weren't even together at all. Yeah. Um, we uh, got an offer from Curtis to go into the studio. You know, we had a bunch of songs left over, never recorded. Yeah. 
And so we took him up on it. We, uh, we rehearsed for like a week in, in a trailer. Yeah. And it was like the middle of winter. There was like no heat in it. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then we went in with Lou and uh, Carl Plaster, yeah. who I can't forget, and, uh, and just recorded all those songs. Yeah. And uh, pretty much, you know, pick, picked what we thought were the better songs for uh, Brave Noise. Right. And then the other ones were left over, just ended up on fall. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't know if it, you or Trek gave my brother a, a tape at the time of all, all of the songs from the session. I remember and we, we listened to that like religiously for a while, and then the records came out, you know, separately. But yeah, that we had. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that tape. Yeah, we had that. Yeah. I think a, an MBR live. Like a set. 26, 26 song tape. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and that that was when you introduced. Uh, instrumentals into the the band and, and you've been a big fan of making those because uh, you've had them on subsequent records and then you did that since cigaros record so you, you like doing instrumental stuff yeah uh i wouldn't say uh a lot but yeah. some songs that uh you know end up being on a record of whatever bands i might be in uh start out as instrumentals and the lyrics get written really at the last minute. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I end up, uh, inadvertently having, uh, always a bunch of songs kicking around their instrumentals. Yeah. Just unfinished, unfinished songs. Right. If you will. Yeah. Uh, but a big fan of them. Yeah. 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 You know, I always thought, uh, you know, I'd love to do like a little film soundtrack or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I could interpret, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. But the targets, uh, yeah, on, on Burning Water, we had one short little instrumental uh, before this song called Urban Dub. It's just like a little acoustic thing. Yeah. So yeah. we kind of went from there. Yeah. Brave Noise has a couple. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even uh, to this day, uh, on the last Targets record that we did, uh, there's uh, like a seven-minute instrumental. Yeah, is that like jam and C? Jam and C. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, the yeah I was gonna talk about the. Uh, so, how did you hook up with your? Uh, we're move forward here to the the present. You have the uh, two new members, who are amazing. I've I've seen you guys a few times now when you've been up in this area. Uh, how did you hook up with those those two? Well, um, right before. Uh, Rona and I, Rona, my partner, mm -hmm. uh, we've been in, in Texas five years now. Yeah. So uh, a little over five years ago, uh, before we moved up here, uh, the targets, um, which at that point was Jay Akari and Chuck and myself, Yeah. we uh, did a show in Roll. And uh, I was Facebook friends with uh, Emilian Catalano, yeah. who's now the drummer. You know, we're Facebook friends. And he says, uh, you know, I'm, I'd like to come down to the gig. I might drive down with a couple of friends. Yeah. You know, he lives in Montreal. So it's, you know, like a four or five hour drive. So he ended up showing up. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And we uh, chatted for quite a while afterwards. And, uh, you know, became a little bit more friends on Facebook. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he you know, sent me this uh, video of him playing drums on Let Me Know Why, which is a song from the, from the first album. Yeah, yeah, I've watched that. It's, and uh, it's I thought, amazing. wow, he did a really great job, yeah. you know. Let's, let's uh, get the targets back together. Yeah. Do you know a bass player? And, uh, you know, I was half joking, but mostly serious. Yeah. Because uh, I thought he did, did a really good job, and I wasn't doing anything, yeah. you know, out here in jamming with some folks here and there, but nothing serious. Right. And so, uh, he said, yeah, you know, I, I know, uh, a bass player. We've never played together, but he's a real, real nice guy. His name's Eve. Yeah. Uh, I'll uh, ask him about it. He asked him, you know, we've heard some target stuff, liked it. And they just started rehearsing, yeah. you know, bass and drums. And, uh, you know, we, we just got a set list going. They rehearsed it. And our first gig was uh, in Boston for the, the show you were talking about earlier with, with uh, Kurt. 
Yeah. From yeah. Bolt Volta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we rehearsed uh, one night together for the first time before the gig. Yeah. And uh, the gig was our first first thing. It was like just a really weird, inorganic way to start a band. Yeah. 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 I know. But I it worked. It worked out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I didn't realize that was the first uh, set with with those those guys. So uh, yeah. So, anyways, long story short, you know, we did that gig and uh, uh, played a couple of the shows that weekend yeah. uh, while we were together, and uh, then got a chance to go to Europe. Yeah, and uh, went to Europe uh, after the European tour. We uh, decided got to record a record, yeah. and uh, we did the uh, crowdfunding thing, mm-hmm. Indiegogo, yeah. and uh, that's when we hooked up with uh, Boss Tunage yes. out in England, mm-hmm. and they uh, agreed to put the record out, sight unseen, which I thought was cool. Yeah, and uh, just you know everything you know, despite the the geographical distance, um, we've managed to kind of make this be a real band yeah yeah you know, sounds, doing a couple of records yeah, it sounds a couple of tours of uh europe yeah and you guys uh, one well. time the guys uh came here to denton for a month yeah. just stayed with rona and myself and we just rehearsed all the time nice and these guys are much younger right there Ah, uh, so much younger <laughs> uh yeah uh amelia just turned 30 yeah uh, and uh, Eve is 40. Yeah. So we've got a, a nice wide range yeah, of variety yeah, yeah. <laughs> of uh, angels yeah. to choose from. And is it Eve that's been doing all the uh, social media? You guys, it's been it's been great because you're, you're out there a lot now. It's it's pretty cool. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, both both Eve and Emilian, you know, they're, uh, bless them, they uh, take care of all that stuff for me. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have to do a thing. Yeah, I was surprised at how many... Uh, there's a bunch of videos and live stuff, and then uh, I, I was looking for stuff, you know, in the last week or so, and I I discovered that uh, the cover song by the the Swipes doing uh, "Come Coming Home," which I, I thought was really yeah. a really cool reading of that song. Uh, what, what did you think? Yeah, about? yeah, they did a great job with it. Yeah, yeah, that, that thing came together well. I mean, that was another fluke. You know, we didn't really have any new material. Yeah. And they wanted to do an EP, right. so uh, we gave them something that's super old. Yeah, you know, just me playing acoustic guitar and uh, you know, like a demo that we recorded here at my house, yeah. and uh, another demo that we did. One one song we recorded, they did the drums and bass in Montreal, and I, I did the guitar and vocals here in Denton. Yeah, and uh, they then put it all together. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and, uh, and then the the, the Humbucker, where, where that was, was that recorded up in Gloucester? Or was that the, the other one? Uh, Humbucker was done in Montreal. Montreal, okay. Yeah, we were uh, we originally um, we were supposed to do it in Gloucester again. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was it was getting weird about like, are they going to be able to get out of Montreal? Yeah. So uh, what I did is at the last minute, unfortunately, not the last minute, I gave him a couple weeks' notice. Yeah. But uh, we canceled the, the Gloucester uh, Bang of Song Studios sessions. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like within hours of them closing down the borders, I, I grabbed the last flight out to Montreal. And uh, we did it with a friend of theirs there. Nice. Uh, named Maxime. And, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Just, uh, you know, everybody was on lockdown. Yeah. We were sne- sneaking around to sessions. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's cool because it's, um, you know, it's unfortunate nobody was, <clears throat> excuse me, has been able to promote, you know, their music with, you know, touring and playing lots of shows. But the, yeah. the record has been, uh, you know, it's out there. So it's... Uh, and it's, I think it's great. It's, it's definitely, uh, I think these guys have uh, yeah. shot some life into the band. I th- you know, I th- you've always have great lineups. Uh, but, you know, when I first saw uh, him pull off <laughs> some of the drumming, I was like, okay, this is, uh, now I know why he chose these two 
two, these two guys, you know. Yeah, they chose me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if someone wanted to uh, buy Humbucker, um, where could they do that? Uh, it's well, Humbucker is also available uh, on uh, Dead Broke Records in okay. the states. Yeah. So uh, you could do it. You know, if you're in uh, England or Europe. Yeah. Uh, you can certainly get it on Boss Tunage. Right. Uh, you know, it, it gets out to record stores. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing here in the States with uh, Dead Broke Records. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, you can order it on, online as well. Yeah. Uh, both both Wires and, and Humbucker are on, are on uh, Dead Broke. Nice. So. And then you have your uh, Kenny Chambers Bandcamp page, which uh, has a ton of... Uh, stuff on there like it's, it's criminal if you're if you're a fan of uh moving targets or you know any of ken's music and you're not hip to that there's uh there's so much cool stuff on there it's it's great to hear like i was saying earlier the some of the songs form over years you know hear them in the early stages and then how they sound now and uh so it's cool i definitely recommend uh and people can buy your, your well, music you. on there and this is a time to you know support artists that aren't able to uh get out there so i encourage people to to do that you know yeah i, I don't promote the band camp uh really yeah i just it's just kind of out there right yeah <laughs> people find yeah <laughs> um all right well ken uh this was great uh talking to you i appreciate uh you taking the time to uh do this yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, having me and, yeah. and asking me to do it. Yeah, definitely. It's a pleasure. Yeah, hopefully uh, sometime in the near future we will see you up here playing music again. Oh, you will. Yeah. Uh, hope, hopefully next fall. Yeah, awesome. We've got a gig uh, at the Fest, so we're trying to hopefully cross our fingers things will be okay enough to uh, build up a couple of shows around our trip. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that. All right. Awesome. You take care of yourself, Christian. You too. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.